Section 5 of Historic Waterways, 600 Miles of Canoeing Down the Rock, Fox, and Wisconsin Rivers by Reuben Gold Thwaites. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Krantz. Historic Waterways, 600 Miles of Canoeing Down the Rock, Fox and Wisconsin Rivers by Reuben Gold Thwaites The Rock River, Chapter 3, An Illinois Prairie Home We had an early start from the hotel next morning. A prospect of the situation at the upper Janesville Dam from a neighboring bridge revealed the fact that the mill race along the left bank afforded the easiest portage. Reloading our craft at the boat renter's staging where it had passed the night, we darted across the river, under two low-hung bridges, keeping well out of the overflow current, and entered the race, making our carry over a steep and rocky embankment. Below, after passing through the center of the city, the river widens considerably, as it cuts a deep channel through the fertile prairie, and taking a sudden bend to the southwest becomes a lake, formed by backwater from the lower dam. The wind was now dead ahead again and fierce. Whitecaps came savagely rolling upstream. The pull down brought out the rowing muscles to their fullest tension. The canoe at times would appear to scarcely creep along, although oars and paddle would bend to their work. The race of the carding mill which we were now approaching is by the left bank, the rest of the broad river fully a third of a mile wide here, being stemmed by a ponderous angling dam, the shorter leg of which comes dangerously close to the entrance of the race, which it nearly parallels. Overhead, fifty feet skyward, a great railway bridge spans the chasm. The disposition of its piers leaves a rowing channel but two rods wide, next the shore. Through this a deep, swift current flows, impelling itself for the most part over the short leg of the chute, with a deafening roar. Its back set, however, is caught in the yawning mouth of the race. It so happens, then, that from either side of an ugly, whirling strip of doubting water, parallel with the shorter chute, the flood bursts forth, to the left plunging impetuously over the apron to be dashed to vapor at its foot to the right, madly rushing into the narrow race, to turn the wheels of the carding mill half a mile below. This narrow channel under the bridge and next the shore, of which I have spoken, is the only practicable entrance to the race. We had landed above and taken a panoramic view of the situation from the deck of the bridge, afterward had descended to the floodgates at the entrance of the race, for detailed inspection and measurements. One of the set of three gates was partly raised, the bottom being but three feet above the boiling surface, while the great vertical iron beams along which the cogwheels work were not over four feet apart. It would require steady hands to guide the canoe to the right of the whirl, where the flood hesitated between two destinations, and finally to shoot under the uplifted gate, which barely gave room in either height or breadth for the passage of the boat. But we arrived at the conclusion that the chute was far more dangerous in appearance than in reality, and that it was preferable to a long and exceedingly irksome portage. So we determined to make the attempt, and walked back to the canoe. 
disposing our baggage in the center as in the barbed wire experience of the day before w again took the oars astern and i the paddle at the bow a knot of men on the bridge had been watching our movements with interest and waved their hats at us as we came cautiously creeping along the shore we went under the bridge with a swoop waited till we were within three rods of the brink of the thundering fall and then strained every muscle in sending the canoe shooting off at an angle into the waters bound for the race we went down to the gate as if shot out of a cannon but the little craft was easily controlled quickly obeying every stroke of the paddle catching a projecting timber it was easy to guide ourselves to the opening we lay down in the bottom of the boat and with uplifted hands clutched the slimy gate slowly hand over hand we passed through under the many internal beams and rods of the structure with a boiling flood under us making an echoing roar amid which we were obliged to fairly shout our directions to each other in the last section the release was given we were fairly hurled into daylight on the surface of the mad torrent and were many a rod down the race before we could recover our seats the men on the bridge joined by others now fairly yelled themselves hoarse over the successful close of what was apparently a hazardous venture and we waved acknowledgments with the paddle as we glided away under the willows which overhang the long and narrow canal at the isolated mill where there is one of the easiest portages on the route the hands came flocking by dozens to the windows to see the craft which had invaded their quiet domain the country toward beloit becomes more hilly especially upon the left bank along which runs the chicago and northwestern railway all the way down from janesville at the beloit paper mill which was reached at three o'clock in the afternoon it was found that owing to the low stage of water one end of the apron projected above the flood with some difficulty as to walking on the slimy incline we portaged over the face of the dam and went downstream through the heart of the pretty little college town getting more or less picturesque backdoor views of the domestic life of the community beloit being on the state line we had now entered illinois for several miles the river is placid and shallow with but a feeble current islands begin to appear dividing the channel and somewhat perplexing canoeists it being often quite difficult to decide which route is the best as a rule one is apt to wish that he had taken some other than the one selected the dam at rockton was reached in a two hours pull it was being repaired stone for the purpose being quarried on a neighboring bank and transported to the scene of action on a flatboat we had been told that we could take several miles by going down the race which cuts the base of a long detour but the boss of the dam menders assured us that the race was not safe and that we would get in a trap if we attempted it deeming discretion the better part of valor with much difficulty we lifted the canoe over the high jagged stone embankment and through a bit of tangled swamp to the right and took the longest way around it was four or five miles by the bend to the village of rockton whose spires we could see at the dam rising above a belt of intervening trees it being our first detour of note we were somewhat discouraged at having had so long a pull for so short a vantage but we became well used to such experiences long before our journey was over 
it was not altogether consoling to be informed at rockton which is a smart little manufacturing town of a thousand souls that the race was perfectly practicable for canoes and the tail portage easy beaching near the base of a fine wagon bridge which here spans the rock we went up to a cluster of small houses on the bank opposite the town to have some tea steeped our prepared stock being by this time exhausted the people were all employed in the paper mills in the village but one good woman chanced to be at home for the afternoon and cheerfully responded to our request for service a young neat and buxom little woman she was though rather sad-eyed and evidently overworked in the family struggle for existence she assured us that she nowadays never went upon the water in an open boat for she had three times been near drowned in her life which she thought was warnin enough for one body inquiry developed that her first warnin consisted of having been when she was a gal down in kansas taken for a row in a leaky boat the water came in halfway up to the thwarts and would have eventually swamped the craft and drowned its occupants in perhaps half an hour's time if her companion had not luckily bethought himself to run in to shore and land another time she and her husband were out rowing when a stern-wheel river steamer came along and the swell in her wake washed the rowboat atop of a log raft and she stuck there ma'am would you believe and we'd a drownded sure with a storm a comin up hadn't my brother-in-law that was then a courtin of sister jane come off in a dugout and took us in her last and most harrowing experience was in a boat on the republican river in kansas she and another woman were out when a storm came up and white-capped waves tossed the little craft about at will but fortunately the blow subsided and the women regained pluck enough to take the oars and row home again the eyes of the papermaker's wife were suffused with tears as seated in her rocking-chair by the kitchen stove and giving the teapot an occasional shake doubtless to hasten the brew she related these thrilling tales of adventure by flood and called us to witness that thrice had providence directly interposed in her behalf we were obliged to acknowledge ourselves much impressed with the gravity of the dangers she had so successfully passed through her sympathy with the perils which we were braving and what she was pleased to call our singular journey was so great that the good woman declined to accept pay for having steeped our tea in a most excellent manner and bade us an affecting godspeed we had our supper graced with the hot tea on a pretty sward at the river end of the quiet lane just around the corner while a dozen little children in pinafores and short clothes perched on a neighboring fence watched and discussed us as eagerly as though we were a circus caravan halting by the wayside for refreshment the papermaker's wife also came out just as we were packing up for the start and inspected the canoe in some detail her judgment was that in her giddiest days as an oarswoman she would certainly never have dared to set foot in such a shell she watched us off just as the sun was disappearing and the last rockton object we saw was our tender-hearted friend standing on the beach at the end of her lane both hands shading her eyes as she watched us fade away in the gloaming i have no doubt she has long ago given us up for lost for her last words were i've heerd em tell it was a riskier river than any in kansas tween here and miss ip take care you don't get drownded 
in the soft evening shadows it was cool enough for heavy wraps in fact for the greater part of the day w had worn a light shoulder cape we had a beautiful sunset back of a group of densely timbered islands we would have been sorely tempted to camp out on one of these but the night was setting in too cold for sleeping in the open air and we had no tent with us the twilight was nearly spent and the banks and now frequent islands were so heavily wooded that on the river it was rapidly becoming too dark to navigate among the shallows and devious channels w volunteered to get out and look for a farmhouse for none could be seen from our hollow way so she landed and got up into some prairie wheat fields back away from the bank after a half mile's walk parallel with the river she sighted a prosperous looking establishment with a smart windmill large barns and a thrifty orchard silhouetted against the fast-fading sunset sky the signal was given and the prow of the canoe was soon resting on a steep gravelly beach at the mouth of a ravine armed with the paddle for a possible encounter with dogs we went up through the orchard and a timothy field sopping with dew scaled a barnyard fence passed a big black dog that growled savagely but was by good chance chained to an old mowing machine walked up to the kitchen door and boldly knocked no answer the stars were coming out the shadows darkening night was fairly upon us and shelter must be had if we were obliged to sleep in the barn the dog reared on his hind legs and fairly howled with rage a row of well-polished milk cans on a bench by the windmill well and the general air of thrifty neatness impelled us to persevere an old german with kindly face and bushy white hair finally came cautiously peering out beneath a candle which he held above his head english he had none and our german was too fresh from the books to be reliable in conversation however we mustered a few stereotyped phrases from the familiar conversations in the back of the grammar which served to make the old man smile and disappearing toward the cattle sheds he soon returned with his daughter and son-in-law a cheerful young couple who spoke good english and assured us of welcome and a bed they had been out milking by lantern light when interrupted and soon rejoined us with brimming pails it did not take long to feel quite at home with these simple good-hearted folk they had but recently purchased the farm and were strangers in the community the old man lived with his other children at freeport and was there only upon a visit the young people natives of illinois were lately married their wedding trip having been made to this house where they had at once settled down to a thrifty career surrounded with quite enough comforts for all reasonable demands and a few simple luxuries w declared the kitchen to be a model of neatness and convenience and the sitting-room where we passed the evening with our modest entertainers who appeared quite well posted on current news of general importance showed evidences of being in daily use they were devout catholics and i was pleased to find the patriarch drifting down the river of time with a heartfelt appreciation of the benefits of democracy fully cognizant of what american institutions had done for him and his immigrating in the noontide of life and settling in a german neighborhood he had found no need and had no inclination to learn our language but he had prospered from the start had secured for his children a good education at the common schools had imbued them with the spirit of patriotism had seen them marry happily and with a bright future 
and at night he never retired without uttering a bedside prayer of gratitude that god had turned his footsteps to blessed america as the old man told me his tale with his daughter's hands resting lovingly in his while she served as our interpreter and contrasted the hard lot of a german peasant with the independence of thought and speech and action vouchsafed the german-american farmer who can win competence in a state of freedom i felt a thrill of patriotism that would have been the making of a fourth of july orator i wished that thousands such as he originally was still dragging out an existence in the fatherland could have listened to my aged friend and followed in his footsteps end of chapter three an illinois prairie home recording by pamela Krantz.